0: clearing and emotion and art. John, I'd like to move into emotion and art fairly soon, but I wanted to talk about a few other things related to emotional clearing. Um, And one of them is this idea of the witness and also uh, body work.
1: Yeah. uh, Witnessing is one of the essential ingredients. There are four essential steps to the process as I've put it together. Witnessing starts to move you in the direction of shifting your consciousness to what we call a detached place, or shifting to a sense of identifying with the higher self. And I use... A very ancient yoga mudra which is very powerful in accentuating this witnessing consciousness which is just sitting with your eyes closed and then looking upwards into the third eye spot and when you do that you start to automatically move to this other place feeling like you're detaching from your what we call lower self and the lower self includes the body the emotions, and even the mind, as you shift into this witnessing perspective, as you practice it over a period of time, you start to get greater and greater concrete realization that you are not all these lower self-bodies. They're not to be rejected. They're just meant to be put in their proper perspective. What do you mean by lower self-bodies? Well, lower self is distinguished from the higher self, which is the witnessing self, and the lower self bodies are the physical, emotional, and mental bodies.
0: Dr. Fred Allen Wolf, the quantum physicist, was inside the vortex recently. He called it the meat matrix,
1: the lower body self. The meat. Yeah, a lot of religions and spiritual movements have this, have this, uh, this sense of moving beyond, establishing a connection to a, a higher spiritual consciousness. It doesn't necessarily have to be religious. In fact, uh, it doesn't have to be that at all. But people who practice meditation start to move in that direction. And it's, uh, it's this sense of breaking the identification. And you won't know what that means until you experience it. But normally we're identified with our emotions and our physical body. But as we break the identification as we shift to this higher place of witnessing of watching we we start to uh, really allow for the process to happen
0: i actually experimented with your book and i'll tell you what happened directly related to what you're saying Mm -hmm. i was practicing uh, basically witnessing in other words uh, just sitting quiet and not get allowing myself to get distracted by one thing or another, um, quieting my thoughts and uh, and I came to this place where where I was suddenly stunned by the realization, yeah, that I'm not my various thoughts racing through my head and I'm not my feelings, whatever that however profound and real they may feel. that uh-huh. I'm not any of these things. and then it started to really driving that who am I really, of course, this is a big question that philosophers have asked forever, Um, but uh, I have to acknowledge that uh, if I'm not, if we are not any of those things, if once we realize and we don't identify with all of those um, emotions and, and experiences of a body, then who are we? Well, I think that's up for grabs. I think we're that's what we're
1: learning and experiencing and, and finding out, and it may be different for each of us. But I don't want to discount the lower self as well and just throw it away because that's an important part of our personality. It relates to the ego that we've been using on the earth plane. And these are certainly important bodies, the physical, emotional, and mental bodies are not to be thrown away. But Shifting to this higher perspective, at least for the intention of doing psychological work, as we're discussing, is a very pragmatic place to be. It seems to make things happen. And if you experience a bit of disconnect and maybe a little bit of anxiety about not knowing where you're going, I would say that's a natural kind of reaction, but don't be too upset by it. Uh, There are other things you can do to keep you give you a grounded sense for example just grounding down to the earth it sounds like you're getting a little bit airy there so maybe connecting to the earth for you would be a good thing to do
0: and what kind of practice is that
1: well it's where you sit and uh, just visualize yourself connected to the earth the earth in Our visualization represents um, one of the healing energies of the universe. The other one is the white light that we bring in also. But as you connect to the earth... It represents this feeling of being grounded, and you might not, again, know what that is until you actually experience it, but the way we describe it in the exercise is just visualize the connection from the center of the earth up to the base of your spine, bring up earth energy as you inhale, discharge back down as you exhale, feel the connection to the earth. And the earth tends to have this archetypal feminine quality about it. It's supportive. It's nurturing, unconditionally loving.
0: Okay. I, I actually tried that, and I'm and i and I'm actually doing it a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, really, I really like it. But let's talk about depression for a moment, because uh, when some of these feelings come up that you keep putting down and putting down and not acknowledging, and then finally when you give them the space, uh, you know, following, say, the steps in emotional clearing your book, you give them space. You experience them, but you recommend uh, self therapy. And in fact, your book is available on the web. You can people can download it free, which I did, uh, which is, by the way, a great thing. <laughs> not too many authors that do that. But when uh, when you work with material all by yourself sometimes the feelings can be overwhelming. Um, If you've been suppressing, if people have been suppressing a certain feeling for a long time and not dealing with it, how do they deal with that overwhelm, just by doing that exercise you just mentioned? Well,
1: usually I try to suggest that there's a built-in safety mechanism that keeps you protected, and we talk about our personal guides, and some people call them angels. I prefer the, the term guides. But even just our higher spiritual self can serve to guide you through the process. And I believe there's a built-in safeguard that's not going to allow more to come up than you can easily handle. And I actually have never found anybody who's emailed me or who I've worked with who said I started the process and I was really overwhelmed. Stuff just came up. That doesn't seem to happen. So if you proceed gently and sensibly, I think you're safe. And I think you can do a lot of work on yourself. That was really the initial reason for writing the book because it resulted from the work that I did on myself. And I was mostly on the Eastern path all my life. And through meditation, I started developing these other techniques, which I found really kicked in for me because I had been, even though I'd been meditating all my life, I wasn't really... With feelings, I was continuing to push feelings away even though I was meditating. Mm
0: -hmm. I know uh, just talking about people who've uh, spent a lifetime meditating, there are so many uh, spiritual leaders in various uh, uh, paths, various religions, uh, and spiritual practices who have. Uh, you know, at the pinnacle of of practicing meditation or prayer or whatever for many years, uh, suddenly kind of fallen by the wayside and and engaged in some really destructive behavior, Mm. self-destructive, hurtful of others. Um, You know, there's um, countless sexual abuse uh, cases. But uh, do you attribute this to uh, people who are exclusively meditating, focusing on the positive and not owning their feelings? I'm not sure
1: that I want to work in the the abuse of positions of power at this point, because that seems like a very complex area. But what I would say is that it is possible to meditate all your life and still not address these feelings, because there are so many meditation schools, in fact, probably most of them, that teach you that the purpose of meditation is just to contact a blissful place. It's the same thing we were talking about at the beginning, and there's no acknowledgement that when you sit to meditate, what happens is that your negative feelings come up. So usually if you're sitting to meditate and if you have a bad feeling, you think you had a bad meditation and you failed, but actually you had a successful meditation because this negative feeling whether it's rejection or anger or fear or, or or anything it's coming up now into your consciousness to be released if you only recognize that and then handle it correctly.
0: See that is radical. There are a number of me- uh, meditation groups forming in this area for example. I just heard of another one last night and uh, I don't believe this is the focus of any of them.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I really believe that's still true even here in New York When I go to various meditation places, I I still have to deal with that in terms of what the teachers are teaching. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you mentioned depression, and I think that was an important point as well that I just wanted to touch on, Mm -hmm. which really ties into all of this, because depression is so prevalent today. And I believe still really not well understood I see depression as simply the result of the buildup of all these suppressed feelings, uh, whatever they are, feelings of all different kinds, whether it's sexual suppression or love life or ambition or just fear that builds up. All these feelings keep building up, and as they build up, to make a long story short, they result in what we call depression. And when you're in a very depressed place, you actually may have a hard time getting in touch with what those original feelings are. But that's what you need to do. And the trend today we see is psychopharmacological means to control depression. Sometimes that's needed and I have some clients who are still using medication and we're trying to get them off of it. But generally I believe that it's a bad thing, that it just tends to block all those feelings that really need to be brought into consciousness in a controlled program, whether you're working with someone else or on your own, that need to be brought into consciousness and work with intelligently.
0: So you link depression with art and creativity. What is the link there? Yeah, I, to get to that,
1: I have to just say a few words about the creative process And this was really the focus of this new book. But one of the points of the book is identifying the three stages of the art process. And the first stage is where you're just beginning, where you don't really have any real connection yet to what's coming forward from the subconscious into your art. The second stage is where finally you've tied into an emergence of the subconscious through your art. And this is, uh, not everybody looks at art this way. This is what I believe is my contribution here. To me, this is what art really is when the subconscious appears in the art. And we may not recognize what it is at first, but when it's happening, we have this sense of elation. That's something really powerful and just completely joyful and energizing. It's the creative high. To me, this is what the creative high is when the subconscious emerges in the art. It's the beginning of a reconnection with our true selves. In this case, our true self means the suppressed negative part of ourselves. As we start to sense that we're reconnecting to ourselves, our sense of wholeness is just given a, a charge, and we feel like we're moving in the right direction. This is what basically I think happiness is. But then, as we stay in this second stage of art, with the art, we reach a point where we start to swing to the opposite for a few different reasons. We start to become fully conscious of the subconscious negativity, where we were only partially conscious of it in the second step, and in the third step, we're just hit with this negativity that's been lingering on the doorstep. We're hit with it full blast, and if we don't understand what happens, we start to suppress it. And then that results in depression, as I was saying earlier. So that's why I think artists are real pioneers into the subconscious. But. They're really playing with fire. They're playing with the subconscious, and in many cases, they're playing with the collective subconscious, which can even be so much more powerful. And the negative collective subconscious, if you tie into it, and if you can't handle it, it can be a a very destructive experience for you. So artists react by going through extreme depression, and then become self-destructive. They turn to drugs or other means to try to suppress the negativity. Mm-hmm. But my insight here is that it doesn't really need to happen if you just understand this process and if you can stay on top of it and use that uh, third, depressive third stage of the art as the place to start to integrate this personal negativity that's coming up. Mm-hmm. So basically, artists are very much likely to fall into this manic-depressive experience. I view the manic-depressive experience as inherently the experience of the artist. I don't think that's really been recognized. It's People have written books testifying to the fact that there are so many depressed artists, but they haven't really acknowledged that that's what art is. That's part of the experience, and there's no getting around it, but if you handle the experience correctly, and that's what I tried to describe in the book, and actually what I've mostly described in Emotional Clearing, because the two books really work together, if you handle it correctly, then you can use the whole artistic experience as a very powerful means to accelerate your psychological and spiritual growth.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, John, we only have two minutes left. Uh, Bodywork, why is bodywork so important?
1: Well, all these emotions, this emotional negativity, gets trapped in the different bodies. We have a psychic body and an energy body, but it all ends up in the physical body. So if you work with the physical body through any of these healing modalities, whether it's yoga, Feldenkrais that you mentioned earlier, or Reiki, or any of them, basically, any of them that feel good to you, they start to release negativity on the physical level. And that really can help you in your process. But you can't use power yoga. You've got, you got to use meditative, classic yoga. Power yoga just doesn't do it. in terms Power of some,
0: yoga you're referring to is, is the kind of yoga that a lot of people do for stretching and exercise. But It's, uh, it's what you find
1: in 99% of the time when you go into a yoga studio. It's usually standing yoga, difficult postures. It's meant to strengthen the body, and it will do that, but it's not yoga for consciousness.
0: hmm you're inside the vortex with me beth maston and my guest musician and author of emotional clearing and emotion and art john ruskin here's another tune john wrote and performed called day by day on his cd by the same name
2: I can't be certain if I'm right But maybe some things are wrong